People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. Mark Anderson is the founder and CEO of MGAC, a Washington, D.C.-based owner's representation and project and cost management consultancy that was born out of Mark's focus on three simple concepts. Have fun, do interesting work, and make money doing it. Since 1996, the company has developed and delivered full lifecycle solutions for its clients from site selection, program development, cost and schedule modeling, design management, procurement strategy, and construction oversight, to name a few. With additional offices in the U.S. located in Los Angeles, New York, San Francisco, and Seattle, MGAC has expanded its work across the Atlantic Ocean with its recent acquisition of UK property and construction consultants, RLF. Founded in 1885, RLF has 100 employees across four UK offices in London, Brighton, Birmingham, and Glasgow, now places where MGAC can expand its operations. Here's our conversation with Mark and his view on the industry. Mark, good afternoon. How are you? Good. How are you, Vlad? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Where do we find you today? I'm sitting in my office in Washington, D.C. on a cold, sunny day. Oh, okay. Well, okay. It's sunny there, a little cloudy over here in Seattle. So we're in the other Washington. Um, yes. So anyway, uh, but Mark, by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about you, know, you uh, your sort of path to your organization, kind of what uh, your company does, and um, you know, just a bit of an intro in terms of um, you, know, y- you and your work. Sure. Um, I'm a Washington, D.C. native, and there aren't many of us, which uh, may distinguish me. And I really grew up in the construction industry here in Washington for the first 10 years of my career. In 1996, I started what's now MGAC, Mark G. Anderson Consultants, uh, here in Washington, D.C., really doing work for, I think, the best clients, doing the most interesting projects and having a lot of fun in that process. One of our very earliest clients was Discovery Channel, which took us as far west as Honolulu and as far east as Heathrow Airport. Okay. So it was, re- it was really, from the very, very start, just it's been a fabulous, fabulous uh, experience. What we do, um, the company is now across 10 offices from the United States West Coast through Toronto, Canada, down the U.S. East Coast, and now four offices in the United Kingdom. Our service offerings are really fourfold. Project and program management being the first, 
cost consultancy and project controls being the second. Technology solutions, which is really low voltage integration into uh, design and construction projects yep. being the third and procurement expertise being the fourth. And it's great when we can bring all these together on a single project really to provide a comprehensive solution. We don't always get to do it, but when we do, a lot of great things happen. Yeah. And Mark, are there certain parts of the commercial real estate industry in which you focus? Uh, you know, specifically, are there certain areas that um, I'm sure some bring more money than others? So I'm just kind of, you know, curious sort of where, where that delineation goes. Our, our primary market verticals, we do a great deal of work in the critical environments territory, which is uh, data centers and mission critical facilities. Yep. And those are for all the, the usual suspects, the the FANG stocks, for lack of a better term. Um, we do a, a robust business in hospitality, and that has been uh, largely hotels, new ground up and renovation. Um, we kind of have a subspecialty in uh, Caribbean okay. projects. Okay. And uh, hopefully are, are taking some of that expertise to the UK. We have a very robust business in corporate headquarters and, and large workplace. Uh, prime examples being the T-Mobile headquarters in, out by you yep. in Factoria Bellevue, yep. and then really the integration of T-Mobile and their acquisition Sprint across the United States. We're doing the real estate aspects of, of that integration. So those are those are phenomenal. Um, and I guess lastly, and from memory, we we do uh, homes for ultra high net worth families. And these will be remarkably complex houses that are typically on a scale that is hard to kind of wrap your head around. Right, like a like a Bill Gates home potentially. <laughs> so his his like, house is known to be you know on on that level. I I imagine so. Um, and then you know who are you typically hired by? Are you hired by the general contractors? Uh, sometimes the no, no, no. owners, developers. We, yeah, we're an extension of the owner. Yep. So the. Owners basically bring us into projects uh, really to extend their staff and their capability. If an owner has in-house capability to do what we do, they may not need us. But most organizations only undertake these massive projects or really complex projects, sometimes once in a generation or a business generation. So they don't really have that knowledge and skill set resident within their organization. So they basically outsource that need to us, yep. which is really the, the gamut from procurement of the design professionals, oversight of the design, keeping the design within the constraints imposed on the project, whether it's time, money, or, or resource, transitioning from the design phase into the construction phase, management of the construction phase, and really mitigation of risk during that phase, and then transitioning from construction through commissioning to actually uh, operations for the facility. Okay. All that really, all that really, with the overlay of where we're there to make sure that the missions our our client is looking to accomplish is accomplished on those projects. Uh, what you're describing, Mark, is a uh, is a complex set of uh, you know you know logistical sort of uh, you know cross. Uh, you know what's the word? Sort of you know you know cross dependencies with people and you know technology and you know you know materials and you know logistics and everything. Um, how do you operate that on a you know national global scale? Um, is is your workforce also you know kind of you know spread out or uh, you know 
uh, you know, tell us a little bit about sort of how, how you as an organization grew um, to, you know, meet some of those needs of those clients. The, the company has grown up until very recently entirely organically at about a 15% annual growth rate. The, really, I think the key to that has been finding the smartest people, the most passionate people about what they do, and then really connecting those people with the stuff that makes them jump out of bed in the morning yeah. and, and want to do it. And that, that with that combination, it really is lightning in a bottle. And people or staff say, I, I could never be exposed to a project like this if it wasn't at MGAC. And this is the best job I've ever had. And that's really my goal is to provide that environment for our team really to Boston and do, do their best. Right, right. Um, uh, and then you, t- you know, talked about geography. So um, is your goal to um, have a global enterprise uh, to, you know, be able to work on some of these projects throughout the world? Or are you sort of taking that kind of piecemeal, you know, as the opportunities arise? We, we have done projects globally. We've done projects as far flung as uh, India and Buenos Aires. And uh, some of our past clients have taken us literally to six continents. Okay. So we do work on a global basis for the for the right client. Um, you know, our, our, where we sit, frankly, uh, physically, doesn't, frequently doesn't match where the projects are. So we spend a great deal of time on the road traveling. Um, technology really over the last 20 months has shown that place sometimes doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, but there, really is no, there really is no substitution, especially on a, on a construction project for physical presence and eyes, eyes on the prize. Yeah. yeah. What are you seeing in terms of um, sort of, you know, kind of post, post-pandemic um, uh, that's happening throughout the industry? I, I know on the investment side, you know, things have been extremely busy, um, especially some of the Western markets that, you know, we, you know, specifically cover, but, but not, not just, you know, uh, uh, you know, there, but on the development side, you know, are, are you seeing, uh, things pick up? Are you seeing things pick up in certain areas by areas? I mean, not just sort of, uh, you know, geography, but also, um, you know, p- parts of the industry, right? Certainly. Um, MGAC was up about 12% 2020 over 2019. So we actually grew during the pandemic. And I think a lot of that was perhaps momentum from things that we'd taken under contract in 2019 that really that momentum carried us through 2020. 2021, the first half of the year was relatively flat to 2020, but we're seeing a massive uptick here in, in the last four to five months. The uh, UK economy grew by 6.5% this year which is a remarkable number. Uh, Toronto, one of our metropolitan areas, has over, I think it's over three times the number of tower cranes as the next city on the list wow. in, in North America. So to say the market is heated right now is a massive understatement. Places we're seeing the activity, you know, clearly the critical environment side with the growth to the movement to cloud and really cloud storage and cloud data has... Uh, been driving a lot of investment by the major companies. Um, social media is is driving a lot of that. Really, the growth in social media and and all of the wealth that flows through that is creating facilities and, and, and projects. And on the more speculative side, I think money money is and remains cheap. Yeah. So there's really no, there's really no other home for it except to you know that unrelenting chase for yield for all the real estate investors in the world. I think that's driving a lot of investment. 
We're seeing a lot of build to build to let, which is a relatively new market in the UK. Uh, they're traditionally they've been build to own, but now really build to let is a massive growth sector in the UK, and really I think mirrors the multifamily growth that we've seen here in the United States over the last half dozen years. Interesting. So, and and when you talk about build build to let, if you don't mind me asking this. Uh, Mark, is this on the on the multifamily side? So this is like yes, this would be exactly. like like the apartment building, sort of you know, exactly. in, the, in the U.S. essentially. Build, build to let being the U.K. term for an apartment building. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, you had mentioned that uh, over the last sort of four or five months, you've seen a kind of a you know you know a lot of activity sort of picking up again. What is that? A, what is that attributed to? Is it is it just sort of the industry's sort of comfort level with kind of where you know COVID has led us? Uh, things seem to be kind of thawing and we're sort of getting used to this new normal, if, if, if you will. Are there any other, uh, you know, drivers of that? I think, in, I think the world is getting used to a new normal. And I think projects that, that perhaps went on hold or went on slow walk when COVID first came out, given the uncertainty, clients are opening the spigots and saying, let's go. We interviewed for a major media project just prior to covid Thought the interview went very well. Got the call three weeks into COVID saying the interview went great, but everything's on hold. And they turned that one loose on us uh, about in the last 45 days. Okay, now go. Yeah. So over $100 million investment in a, in a media company. So that, you know, I think the, the demand is there. And it might have been slowed down by COVID. Business is going to continue. The economy is going to continue. And uh, that clearly drives demand for our product. Yeah. Have you been impacted uh, by some of the you know, labor, labor shortage? I mean, if you, you know, had a partner come to you and say, okay, go, does this um, you know, present a challenge for you guys to sort of scale up in terms of you know, people, technology, and other type, types of resources? You know, how, would you, how would you characterize um, that for you guys? I think certainly supply chain and labor shortage are major influences on what we're currently doing. What used to be pretty straightforward is, can now be very challenging, which is quite different. That consequently challenges our team and, and our design and construction partners to problem solve and innovate. Yep. I, I don't see office space going away. We have a client we're not allowed to discuss who's investing over a billion dollars in a new corporate headquarters project. They clearly believe that corporate real estate isn't withering or going away, or that people are going to be video conferencing in their pajamas forever, or they, or they frankly wouldn't be spending that money. Yeah. Are there any aspects of what those uh, corporate offices are going to look like and feel like in the future that uh, you know you think are interesting and sort of changing from where maybe the world was you know three, four years ago? It's interesting. I guess if you think three or four years ago, the whole movement in workplace was toward increased densification and uh, benching. We're going to put more people in less space and save on corporate real estate. Then suddenly COVID came along and now we need space, physical separation and collaborative space to lure people back to the office. So those are sort of yin and yang uh, tensions, I think, that, that are faced in, in, the, in the workplace design right now. Right. I don't know where that comes out. I'm not a workplace designer or architect. Many great minds greater than my own are, are struggling with that. 
right now. Yeah, my, my my only question about that is simply because the the end user I think is going to dictate this a lot more than maybe you know designers or architects, and I think all, ultimately it'll come from sort of how they want to utilize the space. And so it was um, more of a question if you're sort of noticing, and it might be too early to be perfectly honest to even notice some of these you know trends. But I was just kind of curious if that was something that was on your radar and kind of oh that's interesting that that's not how it looked like you know five years ago for instance right. We're seeing, I mean, certainly at workplaces more casual than it was. Right. Um, the cliche is the collaborative space, the you know, team space being on the ascendancy and the certainly the, the closed office with the door being more and more rare. Yep. So I think more open plan space, more collaborative space, more really space that optimizes people to people interaction as opposed to perhaps quiet work that could be done in isolation. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. Mark, you guys recently acquired a company in the UK. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of what the uh, what the appeal for your organization was 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 there? We did our first project in the United Kingdom probably 1997 or 1998. And I essentially commuted there for most of 1999 and 2000. So I have an affinity for working in the United Kingdom. I like its people. And it obviously has a vibrant economy that's growing at three times the pace of the United States right now. The UK has a fabulous construction education system, both on the cost side and on the project management side, which we really want the ability to tap into. So those really, both my affinity, I think the growth in their economy and their uh, the depth of their human resource talent led us to undertake a very intentional effort to have a presence in the United Kingdom. So in October of 2020, a year ago, 13 months ago, we started with over 80 firms in a longitudinal study of potential acquisitions in the United Kingdom. We decided that RLF was our match, frankly, given the strength of their brand, the vibrancy and youth of their management team, and the compatibility of project types that they worked on with the projects that we work on. So that, it's been incredibly exciting. I think uh, culturally, there's a lot of fit and alignment between us. Yep. So I'm very excited and, and frankly, humbled that this 135-year-old company is now part of MGAC. Yeah, that's that's um, you know very very neat. Uh, for you as an acquirer, um, did you consider sort of what you know Brexit meant for this? You know, was that part of the consideration and sort of how how did it impact kind of what they could do in other parts of Europe or uh, elsewhere around around the world? It's funny within within the first month of the acquisition. We find ourselves putting in a proposal for a very large project in the European Union, denominated <laughs> in euros. Interesting. <laughs> so, Brexit, Brexit notwithstanding, yeah, uh, the client in Europe thinks that again, turning to the depth of construction talent and really expertise that both MJC brings from the United States and the resource that we now have in our London office, that that they wanted a UK presence. Uh, or really a UK consultant to come to work on their on their very large capital development. So I'm very. Uh, it was a very pleasant surprise to be invited into that process within days of, of the acquisition. Yeah. Do you see your growth uh, from the UK office kind of you know emanating towards you know the rest of Europe, or do you think it's going to happen within the UK itself? I would. I'm guessing within the UK itself. You, you know, you asked in your previous question about Brexit. If you look at the wealth that's resident within London, I truly don't think Brexit 
is going to drive, people are not going to decamp from London and move to Paris or Brussels. And no disrespect to Paris or Brussels, yeah. but London is truly a global city. The wealth in, in London is unmatched and uh, it's not going to leave. Yeah. Um, to shift the questions a little bit towards sort of, you know, your, your organization and your business. Um, so the COVID pandemic has brought, I think, changes to every industry. It's accelerated, you know, trends that maybe were kind of, you know, bubbling up throughout the industry. Uh, it's really pushed them forward, right, to the, to the forefront at, as a business leader, right? How have you looked to transform your business, and maybe not? Maybe transform is a is a sort of big, strong word, but you know, make adjustments, right? And things that uh, are going to be, you know, living beyond sort of where where we are with the pandemic today. It's interesting. I, I don't think that video calls are going to replace people with people interaction. You know, I I read somewhere, and this isn't mine, but my my personal thing. But I I read somewhere that if you were on the Titanic and it sinks and a piano floats by, the piano is far from the optimal means of transportation, but you'll take it gladly. Right. And I think video, video calls were our COVID piano. Okay. It's been, the last, the last 20 months have been, frankly, fairly unrelenting. It's very hard to get away. It's been really tiring for a lot of people. So I think it's molded really our strategy as we look at really our real estate footprint our new office space in Toronto, our new office space that's under construction now in Los Angeles, and the space we just completed in San Francisco are all, I think, highly collaborative, uh, more living room-esque than office-esque, and uh, a place that I think people will want to come to work and, and, and be. And I think wrapped into that, as the whole world's kind of been in the same pot of soup together. Uh, ESG has become a greater and greater uh, source of concern for organizations, especially ours. Um, so I think in our own build outs and our own space, we're looking to express what we believe, what we believe in, about our employees and having a great place to work. And really putting that in the overlay of ESG is, is, part of what we're doing as a company. Yeah. And is this something that has evolved over the last 18, 24 months? You know, you talked about the trend of sort of trying to, you know, putting more more people in sort of smaller spaces, you know, you know, you know, benching and that kind of thing. So, so have you, have, has your view of that evolved also? Or have you always yes. had this sort of, you know, collaborative perspective, you know, in how you approach your office design? We built out a four just before COVID. And if I were doing it again, it would have more collaboration space and fewer benches. So I, yes, I think we've evolved with COVID toward more kind of informal spaces to meet, perhaps distanced people meeting on laptops or a couch, very simple video conferencing and conference rooms. So yes, it has evolved. Yeah. And I think wellness in the office has evolved, you know, getting the ability to open windows and get fresh air, the ability for people to work separated from each other in private space or to work even collaboratively in the same space, but at some distance, all that has evolved. And I think it will continue to evolve. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you extrapolate that into sort of other areas um, of your business, has that allowed you to look at, you know, new areas to maybe uh, explore, uh, maybe venture into some new kind of, um, you know, businesses as a result of some of these, these you know, trends that you're seeing? Certainly our, our life sciences laboratory and healthcare business has blossomed in the last 
20 months. And that's been clearly driven by a lot of investment in that area by the global economy. So whether it's laboratory space, academic laboratory space, uh, clinical space, we're doing all of that right now. And I would say 36 months ago, that was a very, very small part of our business, but it's clearly a growing part of our business right now. Yeah. Mark, uh, to kind of close off our, our conversation here, um, you've been in this industry for you know several decades. You've, you've kind of worked uh, across the country, across the globe. Um, everything that's gone on in the industry over the last sort of 18 months or so has been, you know, disruptive to say the least, and, but things are coming back. But, but I want to ask you, you know, what, what about it, you know, gives you optimism and sort of where, where do you see kind of things going, going well? Um, and maybe perhaps, uh, you know, what are some of the challenges of the, of the industry too? Uh, you know, I think we only live once. This is an exciting time to be in the industry, in the AEC industry, in the built environment and seeing the innovation that's coming. So I think, you know, I think about the way we built 30 years ago and the way and what, what we built 30 years ago and what we're building today. I think it's very, very different. So I, th I think really thinking more globally, uh, being a bigger part of the community, the world community in our choices of what we build and the materials we use. I think all of that is gonna be an increasing trend. So, and it's exciting to see. I mean, technologies that we couldn't have imagined 30 years ago are now routine going into buildings, which just points out, I think, really the excitement and dynamism of what we do. Yeah, excellent. Well, Mark, thank you for giving us a peek into your organization and uh, for taking the time to chat with us. Um, stay well and happy holidays. Thank you, Vlad. It was a sincere pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business. Music.